Warning, this episode contains foul language, graphic descriptions of murder, and a surprising ethical dilemma. Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with one of our friends and chat about something weird. This week is part two of our Unsolved Mysteries episode. My name is Ashley and as usual I'm joined by my beautiful co-host Lauren. And joining the two of us again this week is my best friend Amy Hanselman visiting from Denver, Colorado. Last week, we talked about the Dyatlov Pass incident, and boy, oh boy, was that a doozy, for two reasons. One, what a strange and unusual mystery. And two, how did we manage to fit in the documentary Happy Feet, Jurassic Park 2 The Lost World, and Christian Bale's famous rant? I can only chalk that up to raw talent. You're welcome. This week, Amy is going to be telling us about a murder in Missouri that has remained unsolved for almost 40 years, despite having dozens of witnesses. And we're going to try and figure out how a young girl got herself locked into a water tank on top of a hotel in Los Angeles. We've got some really, really great episodes coming up, and Joe is going to be joining me for bonus Patreon episodes, and some Halloween countdown newsletters are being sent out as we speak. So if you're interested in getting some extras, check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast and donate to our show. That's enough yapping. You've got some solving to do. Enjoy the show, and we'll see you soon. Oh, it's me. It is you. (laughs) What did you bring for us today? I brought you... A handwritten notebook. Beautiful. I did not bring a computer with me on my trip. That's okay. Uh, There's something great about it. I really wish I had, because I was like writing this late at night by hand and i have the worst handwriting all right so i am doing the story of ken rex mcelroy okay. i have not Who? looked up how to pronounce his last name but he's it's, american well so if he's anything not... like the mcelroy brothers who are the mcelroy what my brother my brother and me oh love them so much i do too i love them a whole bunch go on okay (laughs) sorry i listened to like one episode of that show maybe two and i was like they're very sexist and i don't like them oh really yeah i know and that's why everybody says like what and i was like maybe i listened to an early one because i've heard because they're super like i've heard that that when they started it they were like you know 1922 and 24 they were fools and they were yeah they were just a bunch of stupid dumb white idiots (laughs) truth Okay, so I'm doing the story of Ken Rex McElroy. He was born in 1934. 
Good year. It was. He. <laughs> it really wasn't. It was, it was. It was a really terrible. And <laughs> yeah, he was like depression. He was from like bad. Missouri too. Oh, terrible no. dirt place to live in the 1930s. Yeah, no. Sorry, Garbage. Ken. Probably like dust bullshit happening. Mm. I mean, that's more like Oklahoma. Whatever. It doesn't matter. All right. So here's the thing about Ken. Early on, he was seen as trouble. He dropped out of school at the age of 15 or 13, depending on which article you want to go by. (laughs) And he had a terrible reputation as a small time thief, a womanizer, and a raccoon hunter. Was that bad? Uh, Apparently, like they listed like it's a bad thing. I don't know. All right. Raccoon hunter. I don't enjoy raccoon. Well, they're kind of cute. They're adorable. And especially like in the the 1950s and 60s, my dad just told me this. Raccoons had to be protected because uh, Davy Crockett (gasps) was such a big deal. And he had those coonskin caps. Everybody wanted a coonskin cap for their son. So they almost became like an endangered species. God, that would not be bad now because raccoons are they're everywhere they they're even everywhere. everywhere out here in los angeles where we have no wildlife we have a ton yeah. of raccoons yeah, yeah that's and they're true. and they're very rude but they are so cute they're, they're so cute so i don't care stinking cute i want to hold them and in they my have arms thumbs. but they would never let me they no. ha- would hate it yeah Go they'd on. scream and scratch so anyway so throughout his life he was accused of dozens of felonies including assault Child molestation, Ugh. statutory rape, Great. otherwise known as child molestation, <laughs> arson, burglary, and weirdly last on the list, hog and cattle rustling, which I feel like when you make a list, you save like the worst for last. Yeah. And then Why they were like, the top? oh, he stole and a pig sometime. Also, worst of all, he stole a cow. <laughs> Wait for it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hold your breath. So he fathered 10 children with three or four different women, depends on who you ask, including his third or fourth wife, Trina McLeod. He met Trina when she was 12 or 14 uh, in about 1970. Is this two different people we're talking about? So here's the deal. Well, the thing it's, is, it's the thing is, is it's Missouri in nineteen thirty something well, in the Great Depression. Like this was in nineteen seventy. Oh, this is nineteen seventy. This was nineteen seventy. So he was born in thirty four, and this is his. We'll call her his third wife. Okay. There's just so many different reports. I don't know. It was the seventies. Everybody was yeah. like trying acid. They didn't know how to write down proper. Articles, yeah. So in about 1970, we'll call her. We'll say she was 12. No, we'll say she was 14. She was 14 in 1970 when she met Ken. Uh, she became pregnant about two years later and dropped out of school and moved in with Ken and his second wife, Alice. Mm, Ken divorced Alice and married Trina. It's thought to escape prosecution for statutory rape. Which she accused him of. She accused him of rape and then married him so that she would not be able to testify against him because she was the only witness of the statutory rape. And that's kind of why it's confusing about how many wives he had because he would like divorce women and then marry other women because he would marry really young women and he wanted them to not be able to 
be witnesses against him in court. So he had done this like a couple of times and the legality of their marriage, like Alice, his second wife, she's like, I don't really know how long we were married because I don't know how legal it was. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, because also he would be like living with second wife and third wife right. at the same time. He's yeah, so he did that though, and they were friends. Well, so sister wife. This is yeah, some sister wife shit right here. So Nuts. in about 1972, two weeks after her baby was born, Trina and Alice, her sister wife, left Ken and went to Trina's parents' house. Ken found them, brought them back home. Then went to Trina's parents' house, shot their dog, and burned down their house. Oh, my God. So Trina, when later asked, said that's nonsense. It was faulty wiring. But he definitely shot her dog. Yeah, who else shot her Or her dog? parents' dog. That is so sad and upsetting. So Trina, like, talked to the police about this. She was, like, 16 at the time. It's... I feel very bad for Trina. She was in a very weird situation where she was yeah. clearly in an abusive situation. So yeah. was Alice. They're bo- and they both stand by this guy, you know, even until their deaths, whatever. Anyway, so because of these events in 1973, he was indicted for arson, assault, and statutory rape. Trina was placed in foster care with her child. Ken found out where she lived and would park outside her foster home. He threatened Trina's foster parents by telling them um, all about their biological daughter's bus route. And he said, I'll trade you girl for girl. This this led to even more charges against Ken. And then, like, nothing happened about it. In 1976, a farmer named Romaine Henry said that Ken had shot him twice with a shotgun. Apparently, Ken had been shooting guns on Henry's property, and when Henry was like, can you not, Ken shot him twice with a shotgun in the stomach. Ken was charged with assault with intent to to kill. And the court case dragged on. Ken parked outside of Henry's home at least 100 times. Yeah, he really liked parking outside of people's yeah. houses. It was a an thing intimidation. He, was, he w- yeah, wanted them he, to know he was there. Be like, hey, I can come in if I want to. And it yeah. worked. Oh, and I forgot to say, so the name of the town was Skidmore, Missouri, and he he's known as the bully of Skidmore, Missouri because Pushing he was a bully. Around. Yeah, <laughs> straight up bully. Um, so when the case finally went to trial, two raccoon hunters said that Ken had been with them on the day of the shooting. And Ken's defense attorney dragged up some petty crime that Henry had committed 30 years earlier that he had not disclosed to the court. And Ken was acquitted of shooting him twice because he had, I don't know, stolen a candy bar. I don't know what the guy did. They didn't go into it, but it was probably not whatever. Probably not attempted murder. Yeah. Guys, he got away with it. I'm going to tell you this. He shot that guy twice, got away with it. He's getting away with everything. In 1980, one of Ken's children, who was seven, got into an argument with a local store clerk. Apparently, this seven-year-old tried to steal a piece of candy and the clerk was like, oh, can you, like, give that not. back? <laughs> can you not? Can you not? Can you no. not, please? Ken heard about this and became enraged, like any shitty dad would. He started <laughs> stalking the owner of the store, 70-year-old Ernest Bo oh. Bowenkamp and his family. 
he would like go to their farm and park outside their farm because that's kind of his thing. I think it was his hobby. So he went to the store and threatened Bo with a shotgun in the back storage area and then shot him in the neck twice. Uh, What? Bo survived and Ken was arrested for attempted murder. Ken is not a very good shot. Go on. He's not. Well, shotguns are tough. That's true. Because remember when Dick Cheney shot that guy in the face with a shotgun? (laughs) And he was in his 70s, and he's yeah. like, I think he's still around, and now he's like, got to be at least 85. That's true. Uh, I mean, but honestly, if he died, we wouldn't have heard about it, because he's not famous. He's just like, that guy. That's his legacy. He got shot. All right. So Ken was convicted of assault, but was freed on bail pending appeal. And the bail was $40,000. So he came up with 10% of $40,000, which is still four grand. In the 19, in 1980. That's like a decent amount of money. It's a big chunk of change. Yeah. He, it's thought that he like stole a lot and uh, he was like an antique stealer was part of his like real job, but people were like, well, yeah, he stole antiques he stole from it other people. And then yeah. sold it. And then sold them. Um. So right after he was released, like he left the jail, he went to the D&G tavern with a rifle with a bayonet attached to it. And made a bunch of threats against Bo. Bo wasn't in the tavern, but he walked in and he was like, I'm going to get Bo. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to punch him in the face. I'm going to get him. Um, I feel like what he said was not as nice as what I just said. <laughs> I feel like what he said was not. What he said was like, say. ooh, girl, I'm going to get him. <laughs> oh, you wait and see. Just wait. <laughs> Let me take my earrings out. All right. After this, uh, the townspeople met with the sheriff to see how they could protect themselves. And the sheriff's answer was, you guys should super tote start a neighborhood watch. Hmm. Or let's just put this fucking monster away. <laughs> Amen. How about prison for this guy, right? So Ken's hearing about the... So he was just waiting for his appeal. For some I do not know how he got released. Like, this is ridiculous. This was literally the 21st time he had been indicted and it was the first time that he saw the inside of a prison cell for more than like three days. How on the sweet earth? And does all that he had happen? to do was like post ten percent of bail. Yeah, right. basically it happened because he would just intimidate everybody by parking out. And I it's know, just like if you're geez. in jail, you can't park outside of people's car. Put him in jail, and and he can't park outside of yeah. anybody's house. Can't do the park stop. <laughs> you can't drive when you're in jail. There's no cars. <laughs> <laughs> so. Ken's hearing kept on getting delayed. And finally, on the morning of July 10th, 1981, the townspeople met with the sheriff at the Legion Hall to discuss how to protect themselves. During the meeting, the townsfolk heard that Ken and his former child bride, Trina, who was now 24, were at the DNG where he had been threatening Bo earlier. Because that was the day that he had gone back to trial and I don't know what happened with the trial. It's murky. It's old. It was so long ago. Like, people were still thought disco was good. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, all right, we're going to go and we're going to get him. And the sheriff was like, you guys, do not do that. Just form a neighborhood watch. I've already talked to you about it. Just do that. And the sheriff then left and drove out of town. Because I kind of think it was kind of like when you see like your niece or nephew like doing a thing 
and they've been annoying you all day and then they turn on the TV and you're like, no screen time. Oh, well, maybe you <laughs> maybe can watch a little screen time, time so, that so that I, I don't, don't have to talk to you anymore. Oh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, he was like, totally for my neighborhood watch. I have to go. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. So I have worked for 18 hours straight. <laughs> I haven't eaten in seven of them. I'm done. I also, I don't write the laws. I just enforce them. (laughs) I'm out of here. Have you seen Stranger Things? My life is very tough. (laughs) (laughs) So, there were like 60 townspeople at this meeting, and they all went to this bar and just like completely filled up this bar. And Ken finished his drink. Bought a six-pack to go because this was in 1980, this magical time where you could buy a six-pack at the bar. At the bar and take it Yeah, home. which you can't do it anymore. Or maybe it was because it was Missouri. Either way, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, what a lucky man. And uh, then he and his ch- former child bride, Tina, went out to his truck. While he-, he was in his truck, Trina saw someone raise a rifle. And she screamed at Ken oh my god there's a rifle and she says that he saw the rifle he wasn't afraid at all he like had this look on his face like he accepted what was going to happen he was shot at several times and was hit twice by two different guns no one called an ambulance and he died there were 46 witnesses to the shooting no one could say who did it. Or no one would no one say exactly who did say. it. Except <laughs> for his child bride, Tarina. The DA decided not to press charges, which really pissed off Trina, who sued the sheriff, the mayor, and Del Clement, the supposed Batman slash shooter, for $6 million. Wow. Wow. They settled for $17,600 with no guilt assigned to anyone. And basically the judge was like, this is going to be very expensive. There's no reason to have this. Everybody hates Ken. We're fine with him being dead. No one's going to jail about it. (laughs) But Trina, here is $17,000 because probably what happened to you was very traumatic. And that's fair. I would be upset too. Somebody got shot right next to me. I'd be like, you could have hit me. Yeah. All right. So why Del Clement? Well, Dell was part owner of D&G Tavern, which was Ken's favorite bar. I think it was the only bar. This place had like 400 people. There was probably like like two bars. There was like a bar. Yeah. But so whenever Ken was in town, nobody would go to his bar because Ken would go into his bar all the time. He didn't really mess with anything. Yeah, exactly. Like people just didn't like messing with his business. Yeah, Yeah. basically. And the thing is, like, Ken would just like sit quietly to himself. He didn't fuck with shit, but like he him just being there lost him money. He also supposedly I never saw this in any like journals. It was like some person being like, Well, I heard he did this. Apparently he parked outside of Del Clemens house a lot for some reason he like tried to steal his cattle or something everyone apparently is a rancher in this town and also does other things (laughs) (laughs) also does other things was ken ever like a peeping tom or he just parked outside as like an intimidation tactic the only reports that i found were not him 
peeping, they were him intimidating. Intimidating. And he was a really big guy, too. Like, I don't know how tall he was, but he was 270 pounds, which can kind of go either way. If he's very tall, that's very scary. And if he's not, that's not that scary. I'm not afraid of a super fat guy unless he sits on me, I guess. Or if you. he parks outside your he house could crush all the time. me. And what if he's also an alien? Mm-hmm. Then he and leaves me on the top of a mountain. Leaves you Russia. in the snow in negative 30 degree what weather. If, what if Ken was... What if he crushed those people? He was, he he was born... Oh, he was born before it happened. It was Ken. He was. It was Ken. Yeah, it was definitely He would have been like 25 years old. Yeah, that's an age you can do some shit. Yeah, you can do things when you're 25. I didn't, but some I people do. <laughs> also, people side have. note, while we're talking about age, I didn't include this. Igor Dyatlov, who led the expedition and who the pass is named after was 23 when he led the expedition what the fuck have i done with my life fuck him i know fuck him oh do you ever think about (laughs) oh i hate people like that like steve prefontaine who died when he was like 24 and he broke every record ever in running and he was like the inspiration for nike shoes and i'm like fuck you man (laughs) you make us all look so hard you know what I'm a very good bartender at the breakfast <laughs> restaurant where I work, Steve Prefontaine, <laughs> who died when he was 24 and still had two movies made about him in like the same year. Like he was so good <gasps> that they were like, we're not pulling either of these movies. He has to have two movies made about him <laughs> in the same good. year. In the same mother trucking year. Yes. Can Amy come on the podcast every week? Yeah. Yes. I'll just fly out every Wednesday. <laughs> uh, and we I'll usually take a record on here. Tuesdays. So try to be here on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesdays actually work better for okay. me. <laughs> I thought they might. <laughs> so Dell had a real stake in... Uh, Ken being murdered but everybody their response and they're like who did it they were like oh I don't even know I just couldn't say and you know it was so confusing and just so much I was very busy um the weirdest thing is that like this entire crowd of people when Ken left the bar they all silently followed him out to his truck eerie which is so creepy and i don't feel bad for ken because he's obviously no. like the worst yeah he's yeah. kind of a dick but but it's creepy to think planned. of this quiet crowd going this out was obviously after him. like oh yeah oh, absolutely yes, like the sheriff left and they were like we're gonna kill this guy which i'm 100 percent down with because of the lock 21 times he yeah. was indicted and he only got busted the 21st time and then he still was out of prison right what the fuck all right, sorry. It was, he deserved this. He absolutely so, well, deserved to be killed. Well, that also makes me question, like, who was this guy that he was able to manipulate the talk system? His way out? I think that he was. He was probably. Did like, he have any connections with the police force in that they would like you know? He probably let him go. He probably threatened judges. Threatened judges, yes. You know, or if and he the was, jury. was he like a drug dealer? The U.S. government in all factions have always had very interesting relationships with drug dealers. I mean, there was no information about him being a drug dealer, which, of course, doesn't mean that he was not. 
But it probably wouldn't be very difficult to find, to find out. out. Yeah, you one know, he had like twelve wives at a time all living together. Like one of them right. would have found his cocaine. Very Someone would have found his Okay, stash. that's true. But his ex-wives maintained that he was a good guy. So Del Clement maintained until his death. He was like, I had nothing to do with this. I was just standing there. I was just living my life. And when he died in 2009, there were all of these articles posted that he had not made a deathbed confessional. Because all these people were like, oh, he's going to confess. We'll find out when he dies. And then he just was like, See I ya. just died. I just, <laughs> I just regular died. I didn't have a, <laughs> didn't have a confession about it. And so Alice Talk and his child bride T- Trina maintained that he was a good guy, and they yeah. both would be like, you know, he was a really wild guy, and you know, he couldn't tame him, but he was he was a sweetheart, and all these things that they accuse him of, that's just not true. And the law, they did, they just didn't like him because, oh God, what it, Alice said that the law didn't like him because he would not bow down to them. Like he wouldn't bow down to officers of the law. Like he had no respect for them. Yeah, basically. So they arrested him a bunch of times. And then oh let him gosh. go and he never served any I was meaningful gonna say. time. <laughs> cool bro yeah but so in 1981 he was shot and killed and to this day no one has ever been like oh yeah it was so and so like right. can and you isn't imagine that interesting like they didn't test the ballistics of bullets or anything literally everyone was just like let's accept Bummer. this yeah yeah oh ken too bad that's that's just that's a shame well and i was reading that um pretty recently the former da was replaced with a new da or maybe it was a sheriff either way you know they have some unsolved crimes in this town it's kind of a shithole town it has a lot of crime happening less crime i'm sure now that ken is dead but uh you know he was talking about how he was going to hand over some unsolved crimes to the next i think it was the district attorney and the journalist was like, oh, you're going to hand over this crime? And he was like, no. No. Like, to us, it's a closed case. Like, we don't care. No one <laughs> yeah. don't gives a care. shit. We Nobody are done gives with a this. Shit. We don't care about this guy. Can you imagine, though, like, 46 people able to keep a secret? I cannot. Like, my my sister, just the other day, we were at my cousin's wedding. And she told a couple of my cousins, like, a bunch of family secrets. And I was like, <laughs> Lori. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't they weren't supposed to know that and she was like oh shit um well but she had had two beers oh and then God. she told my cousins all these secrets this isn't a big deal that they know it but i was like Lori, god damn it <laughs> no control after two beers she told them some secrets that like didn't matter can you imagine if you knew who killed somebody <laughs> yeah how does that not just burst you out have of like you? three whiskeys if somebody kills somebody in front of me, like the next time that I had like a hit of weed, I'd be like, it's crazy that Ashley it's- drowned Lauren <laughs> <laughs> in a six foot deep pool. Right in front of everybody, but there was 40 <laughs> people in the pool and no one noticed. I'd like to think you're loved well enough so that if yeah, you died in front of 46 people, oh at least one of them would have been like, listen. I don't know. I, I don't know if I am. People I think Ashley Cassidy did it. It was Ashley. Yeah, but I'm also universally loved by all, and no one would rat me out. 
I think there Gabby and Penny would write you out. <laughs> That's true. They probably because would. they don't care because they're cats, cats will and turn cats their back don't on you. care. Cats only do all. Do you know what cats do? All they do is turn their stupid dumb backs on you. <laughs> I don't like cats. In case I don't that like was cats a secret or Ken. I don't like cats and I don't like Ken. I hate cats and so I that hate was Ken. That's another Missouri, poem that I'm working Missouri on. Missouri in 1970. Yeah, in the, 1970s in the 1970s to, to 1981. Probably everybody was wearing cowboy boots. Was Were you envisioning everyone in I cowboy boots? I was, actually, boots? and I imagine Ken in a cowboy hat. Most of the people that were there that night have died or are very old. Um, Yeah, I would say and the closer only to very way, old. Yeah, the only way this is ever going to get solved is if there is a deathbed confession. Yeah. If there is someone that comes forward and is right. like, I was there, so-and-so did it, or I was there, I was the one that shot him. Yeah. Because obviously the cops do not give a shit. No, they're not looking into this. No, and he's dead, and his child bride has probably moved on She's to someone. Dead. She died she in died? 2012. Oh. Yeah, so she, I mean, she was in her 50s, so she lives like a decently lengthy life. So she left, she married somebody new, she moved um, out. all about Ken. Hopefully she forgot all about Ken, but she still maintained his innocence for like 20 years. That's the crazy thing. That's kind of the interesting thing to me is that even in abusive relationships or not necessarily physically abusive, but even just like manipulative relationships, once you're... Once you're separated from that for long enough and your brain stops being so clouded by that person, then you can look back and say, oh, yeah, okay, he was horrible. Yeah, but maybe, I mean, it did get to the point where people would be like, hey, can we talk to you about this? And she was like, no, leave me long to talk to me. I don't want to talk about this anymore. That's Ah." true. It could just be like, I also don't care. Yeah, Yeah. she she was like, he's dead. I'm alive. My kid's alive. I'm married. I'm living somewhere else. I'm living the dream. I'm not dating a guy who burned down my parents' house anymore. Just leave me alone yeah. to talk to me. And then when they were like, do you still believe? She was like, whatever. Yeah, fine. Get off my property. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why like, she sounds like a 1940s. Get off my I'm, property. I'm Lauren Bacall. I'm here to tell you <laughs> that I am a busty broad. <laughs> oh, my. The end. The I have to, end. Yes, that was the end. Of Ken McElroy, the bully of Skidmore, Missouri. Hey, weirdos. So I don't usually do this, but I was so fascinated by the Ken McElroy story that I did more research after we recorded the episode. And since we're weeks ahead in terms of recording, I wouldn't have a chance to bring it up on the show for like five episodes. So I wanted to add a little bit of what I was able to find here for you guys to listen to today. So the first thing, Ken's grandniece reached out on Reddit about a year ago. She was commenting on a post about a podcast interview with Harry McLean, who was the author of a book called In Broad Daylight, which is all about McElroy and his crimes and also the investigation into his murder. I saw several comments, by the way while doing this research saying that that book was their favorite true crime book of all time. I haven't read it, so I can't speak for it. However, I did see that comment pop up a lot. So if you like true crime books, I would say to check it out. It's called In Broad Daylight. Anyway, she just had a few interesting things to say that I thought I'd share with you. 
Uh, she never met the guy. Her mother barely met the guy when she was little. But she did say her grandmother, who was Ken's sister, never believed Ken did any of the worst stuff he's been accused of, much like Ken's ex-wives. The rest of the family is well aware of how awful he was. But in her mind, he was just a good Christian man who the, you know, the town just had it out for, for who knows why. Maybe, I mean, I guess it's just the love of a brother and not wanting to believe he was a bad person. But like, mm, he was a bad person. Also, something I found really interesting. Apparently, when Ken was alive, the town treated anyone related to Ken really poorly. They used to drive by and dump garbage on his sister's lawn. Um, I suppose it was a way of getting at Ken, but still keeping a safe distance from Ken. Because Ken seemed like a really dangerous guy, what with all the shooting people in the head and whatnot. This happened to Ken's parents and other siblings as well. So it seems like maybe he wasn't the only bully in Skidmore. Not that he didn't deserve it. I also read that one of the assistant DAs that charged McElroy with assault said that the reason that they had to drop the charges was that the witness never showed up in court. Also makes sense, what with Ken's affinity for stalking people, sitting outside their homes, threatening people, again, shooting people in the face. He also went to Skidmore after Ken was murdered and no one would talk to him, including people who weren't even there the night of the murder. So basically everyone wanted Ken dead for good reason and no one wants anyone charged for his murder. Now this is where it gets interesting. I I felt like the most mysterious and fascinating part of the entire story wasn't exactly Ken or his murder but the town of Skidmore, Missouri. So I think Amy had said that the population of Skidmore in the 80s was like 400 or, or close to 400 people. Well, the population now is closer to about 265. It's a very small town. But despite its small population, the town has a very long history of violence and an unusually high crime rate per capita specifically when it comes to murder. So we already know about Olkin in 1981, but two decades later, a brutal crime took place. On October 16th, 2000, Greg Dragoo beat and dragged his girlfriend, Wendy Gillenwater, down several country roads outside of Skidmore, resulting in her death. He drug her behind his truck. Her body was found outside her Skidmore home. He was charged with murder and given a life sentence. Less than a year later, on April 11th, 2001, Branson Perry, age 20, went missing. And he went missing in a very weird way. He had a friend over, a female friend over, and they were. she was helping him clean up his house in preparation for the return of his father who had been in the hospital. I guess there, his parents had gotten a divorce a year or two before that, so his mom didn't live with them. His father is in the hospital. I don't know what for. And it was like in three days he was coming home. So this friend came over to like help him clean up and at the same time, there were two men working on a car out front. They were working on the alternator because it blew the day before. The last time Branson was seen, he was walking to the shed or into the shed, like next to the house. 
And that's the last time he was ever seen or heard from ever again. No trace of him has ever been found. None of his stuff was missing. Um, his body was never found. No one confessed to anything. And there's a, quite a few weird things involved in this crime or this disappearance, rather. I guess you don't know it's a crime, but it was a crime. So one of the weird things was the, the testimony of the friend that was there. She was saying that at one point she walked in the kitchen and saw Branson run inside, grab something out of a cabinet, and run back outside. And then when he came back in, he acted like nothing was up. Then, later, a couple hours later, one of the guys that was working on the car out front was in the kitchen. She walked in. He was in the kitchen. And he was looking through the cabinets. And she asked him, what are you looking for? And he said nothing and went back outside. Now, this was before he was missing, so she didn't think anything of it. Also, of all the people that were interviewed, everyone had taken a lie detector test. And some passed and some didn't. Okay. None of his stuff, like I said, none of his stuff was missing except the only thing that was missing from the house was a set of jumper cables. And two weeks after the investigation began, the jumper cables reappeared in the shed. Who knows? The only break in the case really, and it wasn't even a break, unfortunately, it led to nothing. But in 2004, Jack Wayne Rogers was sentenced to 30 years in prison for a string of child pornography charges and for cutting off men's genitals. <sighs> and reportedly, <laughs> a year before his arrest, in an internet chat room, he bragged about raping and murdering a young man whose physical description, age, and location matched Branson Perry. But he claimed that it was just a fantasy and without evidence, he was not charged. Then, so sorry, this one is the absolute worst. In 2004, Bobby Jo Stinnett, eight months pregnant at the time, was murdered in her home. The killer was 35-year-old Lisa M. Montgomery, who strangled Stinnett to death and cut her unborn child from her womb and took off with her. Believe it or not, the baby survived and still survives to this day. And Lisa Montgomery, this is a little bit easier to believe, was arrested and she was sentenced to death. She is still on death row today. This is an interesting coincidence. Interesting coincidence alert. Beep boop bop. Bobby Joe Stinnett was a relative of Branson Perry. And they were both born in 1981, the same year Ken McElroy was murdered. That probably doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I just thought it was really interesting. So what the fuck is going on in this town? A lot of people say meth or drugs, but it seems like a hell of a lot more than just a drug problem. Honestly, when I think of this town, I think of Derry from Stephen King's It, where like everyone is kind of under the town's spell and also something crazy comes out every 20 years and just terrorizes the town. If you are still interested in learning more about this case, I would say definitely check out that book. I know I'm going to in broad daylight. And then also, if you want to hear some like personal stories about Skidmore, Missouri, I googled, um, you, everyone knows, Reddit's my favorite, I googled um, Skidmore, Missouri, 
Reddit. And a ton of posts came up. Most of them are, yes, about Ken McElroy and this situation because it's so bizarre. But there's a ton, even in those threads, if you scroll through those threads, there's a ton of conversations between people who have had experiences in Skidmore, like who are from Missouri and got lost one night in Skidmore. And they just talk about how something feels wrong in the town. Like they didn't even know what town they were in. And they were like, this place is fucking weird. I don't like it. It's super interesting stuff. I think you should check it out. I'm going to let you get back to the show. Have a good day. I have been sitting on this story since we started the show way back in 2016. 17. 2017, yes. So long ago. <laughs> so <laughs> Barely okay. remember it. I was saving this story actually specifically for our next paranormal investigation, but I don't know right. when that's going to happen because yeah. we have been dying to stay at the Hotel Cecil, the Cecil Hotel in yes, downtown Queen. Los Angeles, which is now the Stay on Main. But they have not opened yet. And if they have... I don't know how to make a reservation because I have called the number on the website. It literally doesn't work. I have gone to like hotels.com, clicked on stay on main, tried to book a room and it's like gone to like some random website and it's been like this. There's no rooms available for any of the dates you've chosen. And I've chosen like so weird. dates three years in the future. Maybe it's, it's the it's, universe not letting you stay maybe, there because, something's because going some to go people have wrong. like shit posted pictures of inside the stay on Maine and been like look at it now and like, i'm like but i can't book there. a room ben is haunting you yep. and he's like, like you're me from cheating going? on me with other guys <laughs> <laughs> and he's like you can't click on this hyperlink you jerk you're cheating <laughs> i should see if i can reserve us a room and if it works for me then, then that just no. means that ben oh wait but we, you just told Shoot, ben girl. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's All right. Well, he's we're going to have to fall. find he's gonna another know. person. Gosh darn it. So we are waiting there. Uh, it's the stay on main now. And you may know the Cecil Hotel. Maybe not you because you don't watch the show. But you listeners may know the Cecil Hotel is the inspiration for season five of American Horror Story yes. Hotel with... Lady Gaga, uh -huh. who is amazing really in the is. show. Okay. I think Lady Gaga is amazing even though I don't watch that show. She's amazing. She's amazing in, in every so many other ways. way possible. But boy, oh boy, in American Horse, she plays a vampire, first of all. It's perfect. And she's a vampire that like lives on the top floor of this hotel, this creepy, haunted, crazy hotel. And she basically like runs the hotel and she's amazing. This is one of the most mysterious events I've ever read about in my entire life. One day in 2013, after about three weeks of complaints from hotel guests about water pressure, discolored and foul tasting water, an inspection of the rooftop water tank led to the discovery of a 21-year-old student from Canada named Elisa Lamb who had been missing for about 24 days. And yes, that does mean that the hotel guests were bathing in and drinking dead body water from the top of this hotel. That's my least so, favorite part of this story. It makes me want to scream. The initial investigation led to some really hard to answer questions. Like, for example, 
How did she get onto the roof without the alarms going off? If she did get up there herself without setting off multiple alarms, the multiple alarms it took to get to the roof, how did she lift the heavy lid of the water tank? How did she close it behind her and seal herself in? The coroner's report said that there were no major injuries on her body, and aside from her prescription medications, there were no signs of hard drug use. She was bipolar, so it can absolutely be ruled a suicide if you ignore how she got up there undetected and into the water tank, but that doesn't explain all the other weird shit surrounding her death, Mm -hmm. which I will go into now. The biggest and by far the strangest piece of evidence has to be the four-minute-long videotape of her in the elevator the night that she disappeared. Have you seen this? I have. Holy it's so cannoli. creepy. Makes me so, have shivers. First of all, I'll explain it. We'll post the video, but I'll oh, yeah. explain like what happens. She gets into the elevator. This footage is from the elevator, like the hotel's actual like security footage of the elevator. So she gets inside. And she immediately presses four floors of buttons. Then she sneaks to the door and jumps out quickly and looks both directions and then gets back in and hides in the corner while looking at the door. So she's very obviously hiding and and or running from someone that she can see. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that person's actually there, I don't know. One of the scary parts of this is that the elevator doors don't close ever. They won't close. Even when she's pushing the elevator door close buttons, the elevator doors are not cooperating with anything that she's doing at all. Um, The doors stay open. Then she goes out into the hall and she starts holding her head like she's crying or pulling at her hair. She gets back in, pushes more buttons on the elevator. Nothing happens. Then she goes out and she starts doing this weird stuff with her hands like she's talking to someone. Or trying to feel around for someone that isn't visible on the screen that we're watching. Then it looks like she's pleading to someone, asking like, please or don't, or like, why are you doing this? It looks like she's like pleading for someone to like stop doing whatever they're doing. Eventually, she walks away from the elevator, and that's the last time she was ever seen until her body was found. And they didn't notice this tape until after the body was found then they went back and like found the tape the other strange things around her death are connected to the theories about how she died you know if it wasn't a very strangely successful against all odds suicide what are the other theories surrounding it so one theory is that she was murdered by a hotel employee several serial killers have stayed at the Cecil so it definitely attracts dark personalities um, if you believe in the whole like energy attracting like energy theories someone who had keys to the roof and knew that she was traveling alone and had access to her room maybe someone who had the alarm code and could like disengage the alarm someone who knew where to stand in order to stay off the camera and had access to all the footage even oh yeah If Lamb was being chased by a person, if she was being chased, pushing a bunch of buttons in the elevator would make sense. Uh, So apparently people are encouraged to do that in a situation to throw off their attacker if you're being like chased in a hotel. Um, I read that on like several different websites. But then I read on some websites that at least in the last like 15 years, Mm -hmm. 
elevators have come up with a deterrent so that if little kids get into an elevator and push like 30 buttons, the elevator actually won't go anywhere. Oh. So it's like this shouldn't have yes. happened. But also in the last 15 years, they've designed it so that if that did happen, if a kid pushed like 20 buttons, all you'd have to do is push them again and it would like just take them off. Take them oh, off. Yeah. That's good. So I don't know. So did it uh, possibly like the, the elevator didn't move at all. Did an employee disable the elevator so mm. that it couldn't go to a different floor? Creepy. So that's a possible possibility. So. One of the crazier conspiracy theories is that uh, she was murdered over a government project. So Elisa Lam had a blog. And in that blog, she had recently written about a Pentagon-funded invisibility cloaking project. Whoa. Harry Potter! Yes. So the project had been in the works for the United States and South Korea for some time. And many have speculated that the government or even a private company may have ordered her assassination for interfering or possibly oversharing. Now, this sounds super crazy and like, why would they do that? That would be like assassinating me for even talking about this right now. But if you think back at her, so she wrote that blog post before she was found. And if you think back at her behavior, she's literally interacting with something that you cannot see. Right. Were they wearing an invisibility cloak? Possibly. So this is even crazier. <laughs> so someone noticed very soon after the conspiracy started that if you look at the Google Maps view of the Cecil Hotel and zoom in on the hotel, you can see that there's a company registered inside the building and it's called the Invisible Light Agency. <gasps> Shut up. That's what it's called. Supposedly, according to their website, which, by the way, is no longer active anymore. It was taken down soon after this was discovered. Of course it was. Uh-huh. They specialized in light effects and, quote, other realities special effects. A man named Anthony V was mentioned in an article relating to the company in 2011. This man at the time was working as a supervisor at Raytheon Missile Systems, a company that develops weapons. Of course, this information was taken off of LinkedIn, which where it was found at the time, and his profile was also taken down soon after. Mm, that is fucking interesting. Weird. Very, very suspicious. Very it's weird. What if they're invisible? Oh, god damn it! Yeah, what if there's one more goes- way for yeah. men to attack us? <laughs> oh my gosh! God I can't even think damn about it! That. Yeah, because you know a woman wasn't wearing that invisibility cloak. You know she wasn't. What was the? Oh, it was Amy Schumer inside Amy Schumer? Do you remember the episode uh, where they did the sketch where she played uh, an undercover cop? And they and she was like, I can go in any room and not be noticed. Yeah, because she wasn't a hot girl. Yeah, and like there'd literally be a room, and she would be like eating a bag of potato chips, and it would just be like a bag of potato chips floating in the, in the room. Yeah. And people would be like, We're committing a crime What's right happening? now. And but, like, she'd be like, See her because she wasn't. I hot. got you. But then they, they like she would be like arresting people, and they still would be like, What's happening? What's happening? What's, what's, touching touching I, what's happening right now? <laughs> what is that? So good. So now this one, this is actually just. Probably a strange fucking coincidence, I'm sure. But during the time, this is so weird. Okay, during the time when Elisa Lamb was staying at the Cecil, there was a tuberculosis outbreak on Skid Row, which is where the Cecil is located, and most of the downtown area surrounding the hotel. The strange part about this is that the TB tests being used in the area 
was the enzyme-linked immunoabsorbent assay, or LAM-ELISA for short. <gasps> what? LAM-ELISA, spelled the exact same way as ELISA LAM. The antibiotic used for TB patients and its side effects include confusion and abnormal behavior. So people speculated she may have been a tuberculosis patient. Her toxicology screening didn't find anything strange in her system, drugs-wise, or tuberculosis in her lungs. However, there were a ton of delays in the report's release, so not everyone is convinced that the report is actually accurate and it hasn't been doctored. There are people that also think that Elisa Lamb never even existed. That this case was fabricated to distract from an intentional government-sponsored tuberculosis outbreak and testing and having this crazy bonkers story of this girl being found in this water tower and this crazy like hotel video footage with the exact same name. Now, if you Google Elisa Lamb, or Lamalisa, for that matter. What comes up is about 15 pages of this bonkers story about this girl drowning in this hotel. And like, maybe it's ghosts. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's invisibility cloaks. And it's about 15 pages until you get to the tuberculosis immunization Lamalisa. And so now it's like buried. That would make sense because the hotel after Elisa Lam was found, they were like... We're not closing. We're not giving discounts. <laughs> if you come here, you're showering in dead person water. <laughs> <laughs> they like, I think that they gave money back to people who had showered there. But then afterwards they were like, this is it. This you're, is our thing now. This yep. is your dead body it. water. And people will be like, what about and they be like we're not giving you a discount you knew it when you came here if you don't want to come here you don't have to come here you can cancel but don't oh you're bathing gosh. in dead body water yeah that's our thing yeah that's which you would think do. if there was really a dead body they would be like how about we close though on account of you can get very ill from a dead body sued. Yeah, and very sued. sued well and because people that was the thing is like part of the reason that they found her was that people had like black water and uh -huh. like the water was all gross coming out. Yeah, and they they had literal weeks of people complaining about the water before yeah. they were like, maybe we should check the water tower. You know, why did it take them that long? Yeah. I feel like you should check that immediately if at least like three people complained. But also they probably it was also never Row, had to go and it was also in kind it. of You're a right. shitty hotel. Sorry, Cecil. They or probably did. That area's nice now, but it wasn't always. But yeah. this was in 2013. Mm -hmm. This wasn't like back in 1989. No, I know. But even so, like downtown is in the past couple, just couple of years has now gotten a lot better. But it's still, oh. I mean, still has its run Still garbage. And, I don't, yeah. I don't know things about downtown LA. I was just in it today for the first time ever. And uh, there and was a. Not there Happy. was a gas not station impressed. and it, they would not let me go to the bathroom because oh, they classic. said that they didn't have one. Okay. <laughs> okay. So one of the strangest things about this already strange death is the connection it has to the movie Dark Water, which was released in 2005. So the movie takes place in an old haunted building 
where guests are complaining of foul-tasting dark water coming from their taps, and the cause is a girl decomposing in the water tank on the roof. If that's not creepy enough, both the young girl found in the film and Elisa Lam are wearing red coats. Oh. The main characters in the movie are a mother named Dahlia and her daughter Cecilia. <gasps> oh my god. Cecil Hotel and the Black Dahlia. And the Cecil was one of the last places that the Black Dahlia was seen. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from Biltmore, which we have already investigated. There are also scenes in the movie where the elevator malfunctions. It will not go to a floor up or a floor down. She pushes the buttons and it does the doors don't close or the doors do close and they open back up. And she's on the same floor. There's a bunch Weird. of elevator malfunctions. Um, also, young Cecilia can be seen talking to thin air because her imaginary friend is there and Dahlia can be seen moving her hand in a weird way because she feels like someone is trying to hold it just like she's doing in the elevator at the Cecil. I should also mention this movie was based on a Japanese horror movie about the death of an Asian girl who drowned in a water cistern on top of an apartment oh building, which is exactly what fucking happened That's at the really Cecil crazy. Hotel. <gasps> so what was the was Japanese this? movie uh-huh. was about the Cecil Hotel. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. The okay, Japanese okay. movie just happened to feature an Asian girl, and Elisa Lam was an Asian girl. No, I'm just saying, well, like, I mean, all... it's a Japanese yeah. movie. The people in it are probably no, but Japanese. like the it's still crazy. The though. movie it, yeah. Dark Water is more so what has similarities. It still came out in 2005, and this happened in 2013. Right. So it still has more similarities, um, but it was. Based on a Japanese movie, and Elisa Lam was Japanese. So the connections Nuts. are insane. Was it someone trying to recreate a murder from the movie Dark Water? Dark Water with Jennifer Connelly. You know, that classic horror film that everyone knows? I, no, no, no one knows that movie. Exactly. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to try and re- recreate The Shining, which would make right. sense. I'm also trying to recreate The Shining in my everyday Just, life. Yeah. Anyways. My, my, my. I do have the final photo from The Shining right over there, so. Oh, why'd you? I have to sleep on your couch tonight. You it's, do. That's knowing that that me picture all is above you. Sorry. Okay, no one ever figured out what happened to her. She did have the only drugs in her system were the drugs that she had prescribed to her for her bipolar disorder. And like I said, she did. She was bipolar, but everyone in her family, everyone that's close to her was saying like there were no signs that she was in like, you know, bipolar people have manic episodes, depressive episodes. Right. But everyone was saying she was doing so much better on medication. And the thing is, you can absolutely relapse. Absolutely. This could all be coincidences about a very sad girl who killed herself. But it's a lot of fucking coincidences for this story. Like, in in the fact that, like, there's no possible way... That she could have gotten up there undetected. I mean, that's the craziest thing. Gotten herself up into that water tank. Also... When they found her, she was in her underwear, but her clothes were in the tank. Yeah. So she undressed herself. Why would you do that if you were trying to kill yourself? And the thing is, is there was no sign of sexual trauma, but it had also been 
you know, she'd also been in water for weeks, so I don't know how you'd be pretty badly decomposed. I mean, they. Right? I mean, there are it ways. Was, it was yeah. 2013. It's yeah, that's they, true. They have, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like 1961 where like they're I like said, everything's the, puffy. The reports, yeah. the reports for her body, like the the actual, um, you know, coroner's report, was delayed and delayed and delayed, and it took a very long time for this to like the reports to actually come out because obviously all of Los Angeles and like half of the United States. I remember yeah, when this happened. Me too. And people were like, "We want answers, please." Yeah. What the hell? I do not remember this at all. Well, I lived in LA at the time. That's fair. Yeah. I yeah. I think if, I'm, I'm sure if I lived somewhere and somebody got murdered like that. I it was literally attention. what 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 made you pay attention was the fact that it was like a body was found in the water tower of the Cecil Hotel. And yep. I already knew about the Cecil Hotel because Richard Ramirez was mm-hmm. staying at the Cecil Hotel when Again, he was, was killing. Known uh, for some sketchy people. Yeah, it's known through. for some like weird shit. The Black Dahlia was one of the last places she was seen. So I knew about the Cecil Hotel. So it was like a body was found in the water tower of the Cecil Hotel. And what hooked you was like. The reason it was found was pe- because people were tasting, and s- and like Whoa. and like Whoa. bathing in smelly, Whoa. bad tasting water, and Just that's horrible. what it was like. What the and fuck? the video was released video almost was immediately released online that footage and then I just then watched it just... over and over and that just took the internet by storm. Yeah, so. that was insane. Well, I do think us living in LA is what helped us hear about it for sure. Probably though, first. Well, and didn't a lot of people? There's like this way to like get to another realm on an elevator, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Oh, that's what she was doing." Yeah, there's like some game i read about this there was like some game that you could play where you like go to different levels on an elevator and you might go into a different dimension or something and that's what they thought happened to her and it was like oh okay or well, they just thought she was trying to do it or she was trying to yeah because you yeah. in the other dimension the the video cameras aren't gonna work ashley <laughs> They might. You don't know anything about other dim- interdimensional video you cameras. Leave, when you leave the when you leave the dimension, <laughs> the video cameras don't work anymore. Obvious. I. So we don't know what happened to Elisa Lamb, but I don't know. That's just like one of the craziest. I want to stay it's at the so Cecil or the Stay on Main so bad, but like I no. said, phone number doesn't work. I'll have to try that out. We should just go there tomorrow. Let's just stop by. Swing through. Just you kidding. Know. I don't want to go to downtown LA again. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I never want to go downtown, to downtown ever again. again. I Amy had a really fun trip here. Yeah, it takes yeah, it takes journey. six hours to take the bus from San Diego, even though it tells you on the schedule that it'll take two hours and fifty minutes. Yeah, right. That's insane. Does it take two hours and fifty minutes to do anything in this town? Okay, that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, for coming Thank on the you, show. Amy. Thank you, ladies, for having me. You're so, so much happy. fun. You guys are so, Lauren, it was a time. pleasure to meet you, Finally. my long lost yes. soul sister. We're both wearing big glasses. It's so Which good. the cutest. I wore my glasses in honor of you. We'll have to post a photo of me and my <laughs> Lauren glasses. I wore my big round. <laughs> 80s glasses in honor of you. Styling. <laughs> Listeners, never introduce your best friends to each other. <laughs> yeah, they we just, don't like they you anymore. Team, actually. They team up. up on you. They become friends. They forget you ever existed. You're picked out of the crow. 
Whatever. Just kidding. Never. We're You'll so still have Gabby you. to fart on you. <laughs> what a delight. Anyways, thank you so much for coming on. I know this has been a long time coming, but you live in Denver, so what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. I live very <laughs> far away. Thank you for having me. Thank course, you for having me. Of course. I'm so glad that I finally got a chance to be here, even if we spent way too much time talking about happy feet. <laughs> And wasting time talking about <laughs> fake documentaries. It's <laughs> oh very true. But, and thank you, listeners, for listening. As per usual, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weirdcast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. Make sure you follow Amy Hanselman on Instagram. Her handle is at Hanselpants. That's H A N S E L P A N T. Z gets a little crazy at the end. Hansel Pants. We've tagged her in a couple photos. You should be able to find them. Check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to find out ways you can donate to the show and get some goodies like a newsletter or some mini-sodes with Handsome Joe where he tells you what he thinks about each episode. And I wish I could tell you what episode to look out for next week, but darn it, I can't because we're recording three episodes in the span of a week and I have no idea what order they're being released. But I believe coming up, we have Urban Legends, uh, Reincarnation, and of course this fall we've got Conspiracy Theories Part 2. So get your tin yes, hats. Yes, yes. Your tin foil yes, hats yes. need to get out and get ready and get on your head. <laughs> Is that with Handsome Joe? Yes. <gasps> He's I love back. Handsome Joe episodes. Handsome Joe episodes are the chillest thing ever. Oh, that was so perfectly John Ralphio. <laughs> <laughs> I loved every second of it. Amy, what's our sign off this week? Oh, God. Um, what? I forget. Am I clearly am she I doesn't listen to, to our entire? No, I episode. do. And I okay. In fairness, no. I in fairness, as like, soon as we start saying, as soon as you see, no, that's what most people I shut it off. I already know about Instagram. I know. <laughs> follow you guys on Instagram. How do I Sorry sign you it. off? Whatever you want it to be. All right. It could be a jingle. It could be a poem. It could be one of your brilliant poems about um, Vince Vaughn. All right. Yeah. If you listen to Vince Vaughn, then you'll never go wrong. Keep him in your heart, and Gabby will never fart on your face. <laughs> if you watch Vince Vaughn, you can't go wrong. If you keep if him you in your heart. If you grow a beard. Oh. And always keep, keep it weird. Grow a beard. Good, I loved it. You know how I feel about beards. Yeah, I'm pro. Technically. I'm pro beard. (laughs) Poetry. Vince Vaughn. (laughs) Forever. Did you guys see the breakup? Real good movie. Okay, my poem's done. That, that was well, beautiful. One of Thank our you. Best that was like slam poetry. It was of. about. It was slam poetry. <laughs> She's still going. She's still going. <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't <laughs> believe <laughs> that poem <laughs> is in my house. <laughs>
That's how you slam poetry. That was, that was, that was good. really good. You're welcome. Thank you for your Vince Vaughn poem. Oh my God. Thank you for having my Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.